On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Woo-wee. What a day. What an off day. A lot of news all of a sudden. Uh, I'm suddenly getting roped into Twitter fights with Reds fans. I, pff, Internet's weird, guys. I don't know. It just Sometimes you hit people with facts about Devin Williams being really good at pitching, and they get really mad about it. But, hey, the Brewers won a series against the Reds there in first place. And uh, the Brewers made a trade today. How about that? We're going to talk uh, a little bit uh, later to John Morosi of MLB Network. Really excited for him to join the program here, talking some trade deadline stuff. And he will get his reaction to the move today. Carlos Santana is now a Brewer, switch hitting first baseman uh, in a one-year deal with the Pirates. So this is a rental. The Brewers gave up 18-year-old infield prospect Johnny Severino uh, who they signed for a seven-figure deal coming out of the Dominican last year. So just one player going over to Pittsburgh. He is what we call in the industry a lottery pick, meaning, hey, he could pan out. You know, he could get you a little bit of a jackpot, but also a lot of lottery tickets aren't worth anything. So uh, he was a top 30 international prospect in last year's signing class, so he could turn out to be someone very talented. And uh, Matt Arnold did mention him today while he was speaking to the media about losing him and how talented and what a physical specimen he is. But nonetheless, he wanted to make sure he added to this year's team doing so responsibly. Remember, the Brewers just had the draft. They drafted a couple of high school infielders over slot to make sure they could stay as Brewers draft picks. So that probably was part of the reason, too. Adam McCalvey had a great thread about that today on his social media. So we're going to get to the Santana trade here early. Also, we're going to look ahead at the schedule Took a deep dive into what's coming ahead for the crew. Obviously, the Braves are coming this weekend. And a couple weeks ago, coming out of the All-Star break, we were talking about the fact that the Brewers are having this tough stretch. Well, we're at the end of that tough stretch now. So we'll reassess what's going on there. A couple other moves at the market. Uh, Think about what's going on with the Giolito move and the Angels and things of that nature. Uh, What else are the Brewers going to be looking to do? We'll talk about that here on the program as well. Got some injury updates today, too. Brandon Woodruff is pitching right now up in Appleton with the Timber Rattlers in his second rehab outing. We will have numbers and updates from that. Chris Maring, the broadcaster of the T-Rats, is following along and tweeting each of his innings if you want to stay locked in on that. Quick little farm update in that segment, too. Uh, and also, we got to get you a preview for these Atlanta Braves this weekend. It's going to be another really fun series ahead and wrap up what was uh, the week with the Reds. But first, let's get to all this Carlos Santana news today. Let's get to the nitty-gritty first and foremost. You may be thinking, Dom, why should the Brewers be excited about a two thirty-five hitter with a seven thirty-two OPS who's a first baseman? We have like nine first basemen in the org right now. You're not wrong. What I see with this is Carlos Santana is a pick that, A, helps you defensively. He is the number one rated defensive run save first baseman in all of baseball, plus six. And first base is kind of a hard position to gain defensive runs. Second, it can't hurt, right? He's a switch hitter. He's going to bat every day. He's going to hit against lefties. He's going to hit against righties. And also, he fills a massive need for the Brewers over the next two weeks while they rate on Rowdy Tellez. So here's what Matt Arnold had to say about valuing both sides of the ball when acquiring Carlos Santana. I, I hope that it is, certainly. I mean, he's a guy that... Um... We'll get that audio queued up for you here in just uh, a moment. And it uh, looks like something might be down with our news boss system here right now. But basically saying that the... 
you know, the value of his defense is something that the Brewers are always going to have, make sure they're careful with, make sure that they're not going to sacrifice one for the other. And this team's number three in defensive runs saved in all of baseball. So they're not going to suddenly sacrifice uh, somebody's bat, which isn't their elite tool. It's their glove has been their elite tool in Santana. And I just want to go back in time here real quick. 2018, literally today, was the day that the Brewers acquired Mike Moustakis from the Kansas City Royals. Okay, At the time, Moustakis had 20 homers, which is obviously more than Santana. Santana has 12 homers in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Uh, but Santana also has got 25 doubles this season. At the time of the trade, Moustakis was a great, great rental bat available. 21 doubles, 20 homers, a 249 batting average, only a 309 on base, whereas Santana's is 321. But one thing that both of them have in common is they're bringing veteran presence, right? Moustakis was on those back-to-back World Series teams with the Royals in 14 and 15. Santana was on those 2016 Cleveland Guardians Uh, Cleveland Indians at the time, that lost to the Cubs in seven games in the World Series. And he had a heck of a year. He had 34 homers that year. Uh, He had 87 walks. He's an elite ball strike guy. He understands the strike zone very, very well. Only 69 strikeouts and 45 walks this season. So his strikeout rate is four points below league average, as in better than league average. And his walk rate is four points above league average at twelve or at eleven point five percent. So he certainly fits the bill of what the Brewers are looking for in somebody that can give you value on both sides of the ball. And we talked to Matt Arnold about the fact that what's going to happen when Rowdy Telez comes back. You know, now you're going to have two guys that have used to playing every day. Santana's played virtually every day with the Pirates. But now you're going to have Rowdy. And asking Matt Arnold about that, he said, look we understand that there could be DH spots available. Now, is that a, a, a shot sent up saying, what's the future for Jesse Winker? I don't know. But I think they want to have both these bats in the line they can, Santana and Telez, when they're healthy. Now, we don't have to worry about that for another two-plus weeks or so. They're still projecting mid-August for Rowdy Telez. That remains to be seen on what that plan will be. Uh, as for Keston Hira, I tweeted this as well, and this is how I'll wrap up this first segment. Keston Hira, them going to get Santana, who is a great defensive first baseman as well as a league average or so bat. Not Nothing that's going to blow the doors off the place, but it's better than what you've had. I think that signals to Keston Hira. He's not going to be up here unless it's truly just a DH role or something else happens injury-wise. They value the defense that much, and they understand that runs prevented, and this team is being built on preventing runs, are more important sometimes in winning games 10 to 1, right? They're they're okay with winning the games 2 to 1, which if you ask me, I think that's going to in the long run catch up to you, but this team is built on run prevention and Keston Hira can score runs, but they're not so sure about him preventing runs on the defensive side of the ball. So just want to give a little quick uh, appetizer there on the Carlos Santana deal. Up next, we're going to take a wider look at the national perspective of the trade deadline. Oh, Tani had himself a day. John Morosi of MLB Network will join us up next here on Brewers Weekly. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, welcome back. I'm Dominic Catronio. Uh, an eventful off day for the Brewers, and a lot's already happening 
in Major League Baseball today. No one better to ask about everything going down in all of baseball. The Shohei Otani news, he had himself a doubleheader. Now fireworks happening in St. Louis and Chicago. Then MLB Network's own John Morosi with us right now. John, thank you as always for your time, my friend, and uh, I hope the great home state of Michigan is treating you well right now. Thank you, Dominic. I appreciate it very much. It was, in, in many ways, the center of the baseball universe today, a doubleheader. We had 40% of the major league schedule today, my friend, with five games. We had two of them in Motown, and, of course, the man himself, Shohei Otani, on center stage, as he so often is, with the uh, shutout in game one, the first of his career, and then the homer in game two. Uh, he did leave that second game with cramps. Let's hope it's not anything major there, but just what an absolutely amazing day for one of the greatest talents we have ever seen in sports. But before we get into what the Brewers did today, just I want to get your initial reaction because you've been on the forefront of reporting on the Shohei Otani sweepstakes that are now over, and the Angels have made it as clear as ever. They're going all in this year with one more year of Otani. The fact that they have taken him off the market and acquired Giolito and Lopez from the White Sox. Huge day, a huge 24 hours for the Angels. Every win for them is so important because every win gets them closer to their first playoff berth since 2014, their first playoff berth since Otani has joined the team, and obviously helping him every single way, every single day that they win a ball game, it helps them in their case to keep Shohei long-term this offseason. So um, every single day is magnified. A day of two wins is massive, and especially coming off of a deal last night from Perry Manazzi and their GM, and of course uh, supported by their owner, Artie Moreno, that the idea is that they owe it to themselves and their fans to make one more run at this thing with Shohei on the roster. And certainly they can handle the offseason when it arrives. Um, I think, Dom, it'd be a surprise if we saw any extension right now. The key thing is Shohei wants to see this through for the year at least and, and see if the Angels can get to the playoffs and then reassess things in the offseason. But it was just a, a massive demonstration of, of faith, I think, on the part of ownership, management, and then the fans responding very favorably because there's been this, I think, this anxiety that's persisted around this team for a few weeks, longer than that certainly, about losing Shohei. And I, I think that they all understand, the fans do, that there's a reality where he might leave in the off season, but they don't want that to come too quickly. And then they, they want that to, they want to enjoy one more uh, really nice pennant race and, and one hopeful October push for them. And, and uh, I think having Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez join at the deadline was a very important practical baseball move, Dominic, but it was also, I think, a really important thematic and energetic move and, and a huge day for the franchise. We're chatting with John Morosi of MLB Network right now. John, let's get to what the Brewers did today, acquiring Carlos Santana from the Pirates. I think this was a move a lot of folks maybe anticipated, you know, not maybe to the Brewers, but saying when the Pirates signed Santana this offseason on a one-year deal, they're thinking, okay, there's somebody you can flip for somebody young. And in essence, they kind of got a lottery ticket with Johnny Severino, but uh, there's a somebody off of the first base pile and a rental bat yes he is and not you know not the cleveland version of santana but somebody that you would think is an upgrade for the brewers moving forward gives you a great at bat and certainly uh in terms of trying to replicate the production that they were hoping to get from telez i think it's a similar 
a similar profile of hitter. Um, I've seen him take a lot of big swings and a lot of big spots. You know, he was a huge part of the Mariners making the playoffs last year, um, and he just takes a great at bat. And and that's where Dominic. You know, we've watched a lot of baseball, both of us, over the years, and. You think about the Nationals when they won the World Series in 19, it was Howie Kendrick, it was Adam Eaton, veterans taking good at-bats and not getting daunted by the moment. And I think with this Brewers team, with all the youth that they've got and how much they're going to rely on Freilich and, and Monasterio and, and Terang and Weimer, I mean, this is, a, as you know, better than me, it's a young team. And I think having someone who's been there before, who's played in huge playoff series, played in the World Series, you know, Santana has a really easy way about him. He's been in the league for a long time. He's seen a lot of things. And when you've got someone with that level of, of calmness about him, you know, I, I think the Mariners missed him more than they thought they would, his, his presence. And, and I really think that they, they maybe miscalculated a bit on how much they would miss him because he was a huge part of that team down the stretch. He's, you look at it, he's been in the playoffs in a lot of different occasions. So I, I think it's a really good pickup for the Brewers, reasonable price. And, and look, the Brewers, to me, uh, I was just talking about them earlier uh, in a different conversation about just you know teams I'm enjoying to watch around the sport right now. And when you've got this much youth on one team, you know, I, I like watching the Reds. They're a fun team to watch. I, I like watching the Orioles. And I really enjoy watching the Brewers. And, and Freilich, I'm just thrilled for him because he looked like he was on the verge of a call-up earlier this year, and then the injury happened. And my goodness, he was batting cleanup in a 3 nothing win over the Reds this week. Dominic, I mean, that's, that's huge for a young player and I, I love it of course he's got a great hockey background from Lexington Mass tough kid great family so uh, I'm just really happy for him he, he's a great dude I can affirm uh, he's been really fun to talk to uh, in the Brewers clubhouse this last week or so we're chatting with John Morosi here on WTMJ of MLB Network so John with, with the reaction now the stove's on the stove's hot we've got four-ish more days until the deadline hits Otani is not available uh, Giolito is already off the board now, you, you kind of turn your attention to the Cubs, and the Cubs kind of, am I wrong in saying they really hold all the chips right now? They're up 6-1 to right now against the Cardinals. They're en route to winning another game. They're going to probably win their sixth in a row tonight. I mean, with the Bellinger-Stroman situation, do the Cubs brass think they're still in this and they could hang on to either of those guys? I think so, and and what it's done, the, the Cubs. You're right. You're right to identify them as a really important team to watch right now because I think their ascent has has gone at the same time as as the Padres and Mets falling deeper in the wild card standings. To where we've seen the reports today about the Padres even being willing to move Juan Soto, and I think all of that would not happen without the Cubs moving up and sort of taking that, that next position to where they are within striking distance of a playoff spot. I do think, Dominic, that in this division, it is possible that we could see them move Stroman, but keep Bellinger. I don't think it's, an, it's an necessarily a, if one goes, both of them go. Um, certainly, the better they play, the, the better the chances that they may just keep Stroman. Uh, obviously, Marcus had a rough outing this week as well, which is part of it. But but they're they're a really really intriguing team. I, I watched them a bit. I, I swung through Chicago briefly earlier this week, and uh, they've got a good thing going on right now. They've got some good athletes on this team. Swanson, since he's come back from injury, you know, he gives them a, a real presence. 
Nico Horner's a really important player. Hap, I know there was a, a bit of a back and forth today with, with Contreras in that Cubs-Cardinals game, but I, I like what we're seeing right there. And Bellinger's playing like an MVP candidate. So uh, I, I think if, if I'm Bellinger, and, and if he's really found a home there in Chicago, I know he's probably going to hit the open market, but to me, Dominic, it sure seems like Cody's found a home there. And after really having a few years where he struggled in L.A., uh, to have that that identity now where he's back to being himself, I think is a really important thing for him. And just for the good of baseball and for his career, I, I honestly hope he stays in Chicago because it helps helps the division get stronger and, and makes for, for more entertaining baseball here in the Midwest. I mean, with a win today, the Cubs will be back to 500, and you can look at the series they had against the Brewers the week of the 4th of July holiday of kind of getting them back on track and believing they can compete. We're with John Morosi right now here on WTMJ, but as for the rest of the market, and we've seen the Braves make a few moves, now the Brewers have joined in. Are there any, aside from the Cubs, are there any moves that you see that are going to happen of players that we know are going to get traded to a contending team that, that are going to help, whether it's relievers, starters, uh, offense. What, what do you see for these next four days or so? Well, I think the White Sox still have two or three more players to move at the very least, Dominic. I, I think Lance Lynn, likely to be moved. Tim Anderson, likely to be moved. Joe Kelly, I'd put in that same conversation. Aaron Bummer could go as well. They've got some work to do there. Uh, that's a roster and an organization that I think needs a, a reboot. Uh, Detroit, I think Michael Lorenzen is a name to watch. He's a really, really intriguing arm. He pitched today in the first game against Otani. He pitched fine. Uh, not one of his better outings, but he's actually been really good lately. Uh, so I think Lorenzen will get moved. Uh, I, I'll be curious to see what happens with some of the Guardians guys. Uh, I think that, you know, Savali, we, we've heard his name out there as well, but they're, they're somewhat close still. To Minnesota, so I'm not so sure that we'll see a, a major sale there. Uh, Colorado could move uh, maybe some of their bullpen arms. I, I would doubt that they move McMahon, but I do think Randall Grichik uh, very easily could move. And I think the Padres, that's a real live ball right now, Dominic. I think, um, do we see them move Hader and Snell? I think that has a pretty solid chance of happening. Soto a little bit less likely. Um, the Mets, would they move Verlander? And I think the big question with the Cardinals now is just how deep does this movement go? Are they really and truly going to move Nolan Arnauto? I, I think that if, if it's the right package with the Dodgers, they'd consider it because the Dodgers have what the Cardinals really lack. And you watch that team carefully, Dominic, in the NL Central. They just do not have enough pitchers who miss bats. And the Dodgers have a farm system loaded with them. So that, that's a very natural trade fit, I believe, for the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Uh, all I know is that this is going to be a very fun final few days. I don't know about you. I personally love the one deadline, not the waiver thing that we've had for years past. I think that was a great decision. It forces action, gets a few more teams involved, and uh, you know we get to listen to guys like you who know their stuff. John Morosi here on the program. Thanks as always, John. Well, Dominic, my pleasure. Look forward to catching up at the ballpark again real soon. Keep up all the great work. Uh, give my best regards to your dad as well. And uh, just, it, it, I love our conversations no matter where they are in the baseball world, Dominic. So keep it going, my friend. All the best. All right. Viaje con Dios. Buena suerte. Gracias, amigo. Thank you, John. All right. We got more to come here. We're going to talk about this NL Central picture. My thanks to MLB Network's John Morosi once again. Stay with us. We got more Brewers Weekly coming up after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.
All right, we've got another half hour in the program here on WTMJ. I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for joining us here this evening. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. If you want to join us on the program, that's the Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Uh, just got this text a little bit ago from Tom in Pewaukee. From your regularly scheduled Keston Hero segment, do you think he will still be used as trade bait? We know the front office generally likes their young guys, so fairly certain Estee Ruiz was acquired last season for the purpose of flipping him so they didn't have to move their guys to improve. Didn't work out right away, but seemed apparent given the outfield logjam. So do you think that Hira gets moved in a package to avoid moving integral pieces of the farm? I think you're onto something there, Tom, I, and that's also part of the reason why they went and acquired Santana today, who's a better defensive first baseman. Now, Hira's numbers in AAA speak for themselves. He is 15th homer of the AAA season last night. He has done everything the Brewers asked of him down in AAA. And I have said for weeks, I don't know what they had to lose by calling up Keston Hira. But they feel strongly enough defensively and the, the lack of options and the lack of flexibility to go out and get a Santana, a proven guy that's done it before in that sort of thing. And I know Keston's done it before, too. It's not what I'm trying to say. It's that they feel strongly enough that they'd rather get an experienced big league hitter. I didn't say he was a you know lights-out, light-tower power guy. But experienced big league hitter, that also gives you experienced first base because that's what they need right now. They've got like four second basemen right now between Terang, Monasterio, Miller, and, and even Abraham Toro can play second base, right? So you're not going to bring up Keston to play second. Is he going to play left field? No, there's a logjam there because Christian Yelich is on fire. You've got Weimer. You've got Freelich. You're okay there. Then, well, then what about do you put him yeah, as a DH? Well, when you're facing a lefty, you're going to have Caratini catching and Contreras as the DH most likely, or maybe now Santana as the DH until Rowdy comes back. Or further down the line on days that Burns is pitching and Caratini is catching Burns, Williams is going to be the DH that day, or maybe you give Winker a, a spot star in the DH. So there just isn't room for Keston right now in the big league roster. Could he be traded? Absolutely. But one thing that turns teams away from him is his lack of options. So the fact that he would be, uh, you know, somebody that if they called it to the show, they cannot option him again, and uh, they have something to decide in uh, acquiring him. But it's a good question there, Tom. Appreciate you reaching out. Let me just real quick here, looking ahead, and I want to repeat something I said on a post-game show on Tuesday night, or on Monday night. Yes, the Brewers won the season series against the Reds. Yes, they're up a game and a half right now. This division is far from over. We are only in July, guys. It's about to get real. And furthermore, think about the rest of the NL picture right now. Suddenly, with the Cubs en route to their sixth win in a row, they're going to be three or excuse me, four games back of a playoff spot at the end of the night. Right now, the Brewers have the third best record in the National League, and they're only Two and a half games back of the Dodgers, who, by the way, they have a series with still head-to-head -head later on in August, for the second-best record, which would mean there's an opportunity. There's two opportunities right now. One, there's an opportunity for the winner of the Central, if they can somehow leapfrog the Dodgers, to suddenly get that first-round bye. And the other opportunity is the runner-up of the Central can now make the playoffs. There is a logjam at the 55 win total. So the Brewers, 57 and 46. The top wild card spot currently belongs to the Giants. They're 56 and 47, but only a half game up on the Phillies and the Reds. 
The Reds are 56 and 48. The Phillies are 55 and 47. Now, the Phillies technically have one point percentage, but that's virtually the same record because they got two more games in hand. As for after that, the Diamondbacks are a half game out of a playoff spot. The Marlins are a half game out of a playoff spot. And then those Cubs at the end of the night will be four games back. And San Diego, who was idle today, San Diego is six and a half games back. They are still five games under 500. I'm considering San Diego out of this. Now, they could certainly do something crazy and be buyers at the deadline and keep Soto, keep Hader, and they go for it, kind of like what the Angels are doing. I don't know what's going to happen with them, but this NL picture is bonkers right now. It is going to be a white-knuckle, both hands on the steering wheel, race to the finish for who is going to The standings will change daily, so don't get comfortable in first. There could be a stretch of the Brewers lose three in a row and the Reds win three in a row, and all of a sudden they flip positions in, in the standings. This is going to come down to the final week of the season. So I hope you got your heartburn pills ready to go because there is a lot to figure out right now. As for this hard stretch, right, these 18 games that the Brewers went into the break and out of the break with, back-to-back series against the Reds, then you had uh, the Braves, and you had the Reds again, and all all these really good teams the Brewers have had to face here in the second half. Now, this weekend it ends with the Braves before you go to the Nationals. Now, the Nationals were included on this 18-game stretch. I asked... Coming out of the break for the Brewers to be ten and eight over that eighteen game stretch. They're currently eight and four over this stretch with six games left. So right on pace with that. I also asked the Brewers could realistically survive the Reds being over their twenty game stretch nine and eleven. Well, they're currently six and seven. So they're right on that pace of what we set, meaning the Brewers can afford a series loss again to these Braves, because that was modeled in but then win another series against the Nats, and boom, they surpass that expectation that we set of 10-8. and eight. And then after that, it's time to get greedy. Because the next 13 games, you know, so you got the three against the Nats, four against the Pirates, three against the Rockies, and three against the White Sox. That's including these three games coming up after the Braves against the Nats. It is time to get going. Because if you can create some space there and create some wins there, that allows you to absorb a blow in case you hit a cold patch in a back-to-back road series against the Dodgers and the Rangers, two first-place teams. Then, after this weekend... Just overall, for the rest of the season, starting with that national series, there are 18 series remaining. As of now, only seven of them are against playoff contending teams. And I'm excluding the Padres in that list. Otherwise, it would be eight out of 18. The point I'm making is the Brewers have an opportunity here. Down the stretch, they're going to be facing, they still got two series against the Marlins. They still got a home series against the Phillies. They got to go to LA. They got to go to Texas. They're going to play the, the the Braves this weekend, obviously. But they still got a series with the Pirates. They still got a series with the with the Cardinals, and then the Cubs. And the Cubs are certainly in that list of eight series remaining. It's an opportunity for the Brewers to get greedy over the thirteen games following the Braves series. You got to get some space there and figure out what you have after the deadline as guys are getting healthy, as Woodruff's getting healthy, Telez is getting healthy. We'll got get an injury update a little bit later in the show, but the Brewers are about to come out of this forest ready to hit the plains sprinting.
So it's a good time to get excited right now. I know the Packers are getting going. I know we see everybody on the bikes right now, and everybody's excited to get their green and gold back in Jordan Love. Hey, the Brewers are in first place. Don't abandon ship yet, okay? It's not football season yet. It's July. It's July. We're not talking about football. Give us a breather, all right? Let's talk a little bit about injuries. Uh, market update coming up after that, then we'll preview the weekend with the Braves. This is Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Let's head down on the farm here real quick, down to Appleton. Should I say up to Appleton? As uh, right now, got a big league rehab start that is all finished up. Brandon Woodruff on his way back from his shoulder injury, making his second minor league outing in this return. Tonight with the T-Rats, remember, this is high A ball, okay? Four innings, four hits, one run, it was earned, no walks, three strikeouts, consistently touching 95 miles an hour. In fact, one of the hits in the lone, uh, in the lone extra base hit off of Woodruff was by, or I should say RBI, was by Noah Miller, Owen's younger brother. So shout out to Owen playing, or Noah playing back in his home state as well. Uh, it's just, I'm sure that Owen wasn't able to get up there since he got to get down to Atlanta today, but, uh, really, really cool for Noah Miller, of course, to be the one to get a knock and a run batted in off of Brandon Woodruff. So that's some good news. They have one more on the books for Brandon Woodruff. They hinted that it would probably be in Nashville, AAA. Beyond that, we do not know. We don't know if he's going to have a fourth or if he's going to have a fifth. But the fact that he went four innings tonight, I think, is a massive development. And he also threw 52 pitches, so gives you an idea of the fact that it's high A hitters. They're up there swinging. So he probably wants to throw a few more pitches than that. 52 pitches, 36 strikes. Probably up that to closer to 75 his next go around. See how he recovers from this one and what the Brewers will do moving forward. There is a chance, and the Brewers have not been shy about this, that you know after his third rehab outing, he could rejoin the rotation instantly. And that would be certainly welcome. There comes a roster crunch with that, though, given he's currently on the 60-day IL, meaning he's not occupying a 40-man roster spot. So something would have to be a corresponding move to take somebody off the 40-man, which is now full today, thanks to the Santana deal. The Brewers were carrying 39 before today, so now they uh, have 40. And uh, by the way, the corresponding move for Santana on the active roster was optioning Trevor McGill down to uh, AAA. So the roster is full once again. Uh, they're going to go with a shorter bullpen as of now, it looks like, uh, for the time being until the Brewers figure out what they're going to need moving forward, position-wise, pitching-wise, and things of like that nature. But granted, right now it's odd with uh, their pitching staff, given the starters and the off day today, that... This weekend, you've got Hauser, Tehran, and Ray scheduled, and then you're going to hit a little bit of a, of a stretch. But right now, as of now, they're going with a uh, five-man bench. I imagine Toro or Jones would be on the way out if they want to add another bullpen arm, but that remains to be seen. Other injury updates real quick before we go up against the break here. Uh, nothing new on Jesse Winker. Nothing new on uh, Aaron Ashby. He continues to throw right now. Uh, they expect to activate Justin Wilson soon, so maybe that could be another move that the Brewers, you know, they've added 
they've optioned McGill and they've added Santana, but Santana they don't expect to be with the team until Saturday. So maybe the McGill option will be to add Wilson to the roster tomorrow, and then you'll send out a Jemai Jones or a Abraham Toro down to AAA when Santana arrives on Saturday. So we just want to clarify that real quick. McGill is out, maybe Wilson tomorrow, and then Santana on Saturday down in Atlanta. Also, Brian Anderson uh, was revealed today in the media session with Matt Arnold. It's not a setback, but they're just taking it slow with him. They're not anticipating him back until mid-August from his back issue that he's got right now. Also, Rowdy Telez still on track for a mid-August reunion with the crew. Uh, and finally, Wade Mildy, he is eligible to come off the IL this week, but they do not expect him to be activated off the IL this week. They do think it's going to be shortly after on the current projection that maybe on that homestand following the road trip when the Pirates are in town, he could be activated then. So a quick little injury update for you. Let's talk about the market and are the Brewers done? That was a lot of questions I got on Twitter after getting Santana today. I don't think they're done. But let's talk about that. That's coming up next. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620. Another 15 minutes or so in the program. This is Brewers Weekly. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. The number one question I got after the Santana news came across the wire, is that all the Brewers going to do? Is that it? Is this going to be their big move of the deadline? We don't know. If this is the only move... I could understand why the Brewers fans could feel like, wait a minute, this is it? Wait, what? Guy hitting 230? That's not what we need? I, I do reassure you the fact that he's going to fill a massive need for these next two-plus weeks with Rowdy out. Right? The Owen Miller's been ice cold lately. They need to get him going ASAP. You're not going to last that long with Victor Caratini, your backup catcher, as your primary first baseman, which he only really started one game. But the Brewers are in a weird spot. Because they've got some prospects, but these prospects are part of their future, right? Jackson Churio is untouchable to me. I am not giving up Jackson Churio. I'm also not giving up Tyler Black, who, by the way, started at first base tonight for Biloxi. And Jackson Churio hit a homer tonight, by the way, too. The Brewers are in a position to compete right now. Prospects are cool. Championships are cool. I've heard that phrase, too. But what if... What if the Brewers are still listening, and it takes two to tango, mind you. You low-key have created a really good starting rotation, and I know depth is good, but there's suddenly a logjam on the way. It, it'll be easier to DFA somebody like Julio Tehran when the time comes, but you would like to keep him around. Or do you listen to trade offers on your starting pitching? Now, you may be thinking, well, Dom... Miley's been hurt twice this year, and Woodruff's missed the majority of the season. Why don't we trade from our starting pitching? You're right. It's a good question. If Freddie's turning a corner, if Corbin has turned the corner, and Brandon Woodruff comes back healthy, shoot. I mean, you really only need three, four starters in the playoffs, but you need five for the rest of the year. But what if you listen to offers on Adrian Hauser? What if you listen to offers on Colin Ray? And if it means it can get you another bat, because everyone's always looking for pitching. And Hauser, especially, he's got a year plus of control. He would have the rest of this year and next year of control. And sometimes you you go strength for strength, right? We'll give up something starting pitching-wise to receive something that maybe they have a surplus of offense. Just keep that in mind. I, I don't think the Brewers are done. 
it does take two to tango. Uh, a texter asking in here, what about McCutcheon? A very consistent outfield bat. It's a good question. But that would mean you have to option Joey Weimer. Do you cut somebody that I'm not expecting? There's there's parallels. And also, remember, Weimer's defense is what's keeping him in the big leagues right now. The Brewers have just about said so. I love Weimer as a dude. He's got a, He's been throwing some glove. Robbed a homer the other night from Ellie, but the bat has not been there lately. But his defense is why he's up here. So by adding Andrew McCutcheon at bats, you're sacrificing defense. And mind you, this team doesn't get a lot of strikeouts as much as it has in the past. And you look at some of the advanced numbers in their contact, their fielding independent pitching does not suggest they should be as good as they've been because of their defense. This team knows they are outperforming expectations because of how many runs they've saved with their glove. So I don't see them sacrificing Weimer defensively for Andrew McCutcheon's bat. Then I loved Kutch when he was here. He was awesome. Maybe the Pirates continue to make some deals, but I would have expected Kutch to be in this deal with Santana if they were going to trade him to the Brewers, and then they would have got another great prospect back too. So I don't see that happening, but that's just kind of what the market looks like right now for the crew. Uh, you've also got utility infielders you can trade. You've addressed first base, but do you, do you go for DH? Do you go for uh, a year-plus type guy? Do you get another reliever? Do you trade from your reliever core? All things being considered by Matt Arnold right now. We'll take our last break, get you ready for the Braves this weekend, preview that series briefly, and say goodnight right here on WTMJ. On WTMJ. WTMJ, W277. 90 seconds left in the show. I was just reminded of the great dance moves that Santana had when he hit the walk-off off Devin earlier this year. I oh, can't wait to see that in a Brewers jersey, not those ugly Pittsburgh City Connects. Nonetheless, Brewers, Braves this weekend. Santana won't join the team until Saturday, so keep that in mind. He will not be in the lineup tomorrow. Don't be panicking when you don't see him in the lineup. Tomorrow, it'll be a 6.20 Central Time first pitch. Coverage will begin at 5.45 right here on WTMJ after Wisconsin's afternoon news. Adrian Hauser against newly acquired Yanni Chirinos of the Braves coming from the Rays. Uh, Hauser's been good as of late, just had 10 strikeouts against these Braves last Saturday, so really looking forward to his next start. Julio Tehran will face the Braves again for the second straight time, first time in Atlanta as a visitor against Bryce Elder once again. Also a 6.20 start. Our coverage on Saturday, though, will begin at 5 o'clock. I've got Brewers warm-up for you. And then on Sunday, Colin Ray will get the ball. It is a 12.20 first pitch. Coverage will begin just before noon. And it's currently TBD for the Braves. That should be Charlie Morton, though, based on the days. And they had the day off today, and Strider pitched on Wednesday. So the Brewers are going to miss Strider twice, which is good news. My thanks to John Morosi for joining us. And the Matt Sossler, our producer, I'm Dom Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging.